if people are trying to get their foot in the door, you know, I've been, you know, I'd say I pitch myself out to other brands and letting them know and and sometimes they come and find me. But you know, if you are new, and I know it can be scary to to start sending out those pitch forms, but they might not know that you're even interested in that type of work. Mm-hmm. Especially with you know someone like me, where I do like a million different things. They're like, oh, you think you would be interested in contributing to our site? Like you have all these other things going on, but they're not going to even think of that. This is your host, Dyutama, but you can call me DJ. (laughs) And I love to inspire food photographers to dream. I spent 15 years as an architect studying buildings and constructing hospitals before taking the biggest leap of faith of my life, which was setting up a food styling and food photography business right from scratch. If you're a dreamer like me, wanting to start a new photography business, or grow your existing food photography business, jump right into a world where I share practical, actionable strategies to improve your photography skills, to work with clients, make more money, or with a fearless mindset. This is the My Food Lens Podcast, and we take you one step closer to your dreams. So let's go. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the My Food Lens podcast. Today we are going to talk about something that is very dear to us. It's something that comes up every so often. I have people asking me questions about it on Instagram. I have folks emailing me about it. Whenever I've had one-on-one conversations with budding photographers or business owner photographers, I definitely get asked a lot of questions on this topic. And that topic is not just about building a food blogging and photography business. That topic is really about building a food photography business around your personal life. How do you build a thriving business while having children, while looking for a little bit of balance, while still seeking joy in your personal commitments? So we are going to really get into the nitty gritty, not just about, you know, food, photography, styling and all of those things. And today we have Tessa Huff joining us to tell us all about it. Tessa is a professional cake designer. She's a food blogger. She's a food photographer. And she is the author of two cookbooks. I'm sure you've seen her beautiful cake photography at Style Suite Daily on Instagram. But what is incredible about Tessa is that she has built her business and she has three young children. So she's going to be coming on today to tell us all about how she takes those drool-worthy photos. What are the tips and tricks about really getting that frosting right and about, you know, styling the most delicious looking cakes and then shooting for big brands like the Southern Living Magazine and working with Food Network Canada. So she's going to talk about food styling, photography, but also business and how she does it with having such big family commitments of three children. All right. So this is going to be a conversation which is very practical. It's going to be something that we as parents especially will relate to. And also as content creators, there's a lot that she's going to share about how she photographed her own cookbooks, how she found an agent and, you know, how this whole process works where 
you know, sometimes you don't have opportunities, but you create opportunities for yourself. So let's get started and get Tessa on. Here we go. Hi, Tessa, and welcome to My Food Lens Podcast. It's absolutely lovely to have you here with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about dessert photography. Oh, and I'm pretty sure that our audience is really looking forward to this delicious conversation. In fact, there are so many people who are listening right now and they are pure fans of your beautiful cake photography. But I just want to start by saying something that I personally connect with you. And, you know, when your cake photos show up on my screen, of course, it's beautiful. But when you show up on my screen, when you show up on your Instagram feed, it's something else because you have this beautiful smile and you have this radiant personality and, you know, you just radiate so much positive energy that it lights up my screen. And you come across as someone who really loves what they do. And I think you have like a real passion for what you do. So I'm excited to get started on our conversation, but we are going to get started by making you very uncomfortable. Are you ready for that? Of course. Yes. Okay. That's what we do. That's why we called you today. <laughs> All right. So Tessa, we know a few things about you and we don't know a few things about you. So maybe just give us a little bit more insight of who Tessa is, something that we might not know about you or something just, you know, fun from your life that you would like to share with us. Okay. Wonderful. Well, first of all, thank you again for having me here. And um, what you've mentioned about my uh, personality coming through. And, and that's really what I hope happens because I'm very, so much excited about desserts and cooking and baking and photography. And I've been doing this for a while now. And I'm hoping that my excitement and passion for it comes off so that other people can get really excited about it as well. So that's kind of my number one goal. So hopefully I'm achieving that. Um, but again, my name is Tessa Huff and I have a dessert website called Style Suite, and I also run my newsletter called Bake Club. I do dessert photography for brands, and I've shot and written two cookbooks. And I do all of that here in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I'm actually originally from California, uh, where I grew up in Northern California. We moved here about 10 years ago. And something kind of fun about me that kind of ties those two locations together was that I grew up skiing. We lived about two hours away from Tahoe and I grew up skiing. And then we moved to Canada where there's mountains in our backyard. And I didn't ski for so long. And I don't know why, but I just got my children learning just last year. So I'm very excited to get back on the mountain. And I came out of a 14-year ski retirement to ski with my daughter last year. She's five. And now we are just waiting for snow. We haven't had any yet, but as soon as it snows, I'm hoping to get back outside, back onto the onto the mountain. It's so nice to be out there because it's like it's so beautiful here in Vancouver to be in the outdoors. And it's a nice way to kind of disconnect with everything because you can't be scrolling your phone on a chairlift. And then you can really just experience that, you know, connecting with nature and with my children. Amazing. And how can you, you know, live in Canada and not talk about snow? I mean, come on now. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, we have, we're, we're still waiting for snow this season. Um, it's early December right now, but um, yeah. we'll get it for, for Christmas. Yeah. We can only dream about it. We live in the tropics. I'm in shots right now and flip flops. <laughs> And really like trying to dodge the sun. So, I mean, come on, <laughs> this is amazing. 
But also it's interesting. So you, you're kind of this outdoorsy person and you've had this kind of adventurous, you know, childhood and you're reviving that back. And also that you have three kids. That is amazing, Tessa. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. First and foremost, I am a mom and I still have a daughter. She's almost two years old. So, you know, during the day I spent taking care of her, shuttling the kids back and forth to school, to their activities. We're full-time in ballet and soccer and some lessons. So that's really what I do full-time. Thankfully, there's still nap time in there that I can, you know, edit on the side and I get up pretty early to work, but we keep our weekends pretty flexible. And that's actually where I get a majority of my photography work in. But yeah, still, still a mom to very small children. And it's incredible that you balance all of this with your work, with your family. So I have one daughter and two dogs and I'm dying all the time, you know. I can't even imagine how you, you know, go between family and business. And you've done this so incredibly well. So let's just backtrack a little bit and just give us a little bit of a snapshot of how you really became this professional cake designer. How did you get into photography, you know, in spite of such heavy family commitments? Yeah, so I um, started baking when I was at university and it was kind of an escape from schoolwork. I've always been very creative. I have danced my whole life, but I know I knew I was never going to be a professional dancer. So as I was kind of wrapping up that chapter, I fell in love with baking and cake decorating. And I immediately started working in a local bakery right out of school. And then I eventually opened up my own cake shop where I did wedding cakes and specialty cakes. Um, and that was when we still lived in California. When my husband and I decided to move to Canada, I left the bakery behind. Um, and I started my first food blog. And then I, because I didn't have those local clients to connect with, I wanted to connect with an online community. And this was back in about 2013. So it's been a good 10 years. And then thankfully, my brother is a photographer, and he had an old camera, and he knew I was interested. And he's like, well, do you think you'd like to, to start taking your own photos? I'm like, definitely. So that was like a really good way to jump into it. Um, he doesn't photograph food, but it was nice to get some perspective from an amazing photographer and have use his equipment without having to make that initial investment. So that was really helpful. So from there, I, you know, we moved to a new country. I didn't know a lot of other people. We were in a new city. I really love food in general. So we would kind of, my husband and I would go out to eat a lot. And then at home, I did lots of baking and I started picking up food photography to be able to document my recipes, to share with my new blog and my new online community. And thankfully from there, that kind of took off. I fell in love with the photography side and started honing in on those skills. This kind of, this led to my first cookbook deal. And that was through my cookbook called Layered. It was all about layer cakes. Um, and that was published in, gosh, 2000. 17, 2016. Um, I had actually gotten my book deal right when I found out that I was pregnant with my first child, with my son. So um, and this was just a wonderful way to continue baking from home so I could raise a family and then documenting that. And just because I said I take care of my three children, first and foremost, it was important for me to find a way to continue to do what I love, which is baking but to do that from home. And I wasn't interested in opening a new bakery 
or working with customers per se, but I really wanted to share those recipes and what better way to get people excited about recipes than these beautiful photos. So that's kind of where I transitioned into where I am now. Amazing. I want to say two things here. First of all, it takes another level of courage to be able to start a business and then finish it, not even finish it, but uproot yourself and move into a completely new place and start all over again. That's just next level, um, you know, <laughs> gutsiness, really like hats off to you, kudos. And then the second thing I want to say to you is that you are inspiring a lot of moms right now. Because a lot of moms or new moms, young moms, they think that they cannot pursue their passion. They cannot start a business. They cannot sign a cookbook deal just because there's a baby on the way. Oh, my God, there's so much responsibility. But I just love how you found a way to do both. You know, you made choices. You made decisions. Here's what's going to work if I want to do both of these. So I think that is just so inspiring. So tell us a little bit about your content creation, Tessa, like you are such a prolific content creator. Whenever we open, I at least open my Instagram feed, I'll see like all these cakes popping up on my feed. And, you know, it seems like someone who has a really organized process of creating content, putting it up on social media, and especially because you did want to connect to a community in the digital world. I mean, that is something that that is the foundation of why you even started a blog. So just walk us through your content creation process a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, and kind of backtracking to what you're saying about being a mom and being able to do this. Well, one, thank you. And I hope I do inspire others. But also, you know, I'm not doing this completely alone. My husband is 100% on board with this. He, he works the typical nine to five. So even as I record this podcast, he's putting three kids to bed and we really support each other. So and we know this is, you know, just our season in life where the kids are young. And even though they have a million activities and we're rushing back and forth, that's kind of like our priority right now. I know it will last forever. But because of that, I've really had to be organized, even from that first cookbook and I, that I photographed myself. And, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, how do you do that? It's like, well, I had a very strict deadline that I made for myself. There was a lot of spreadsheets of like how far, how many, you know, photos I wanted to photograph. And, and I kind of tied it into my pregnancy because I was like, well, what if the baby comes early or what if I get too tired? And I kind of just continued to do that and, you know, organizing my schedule. So I am able to do, you know, longer chunks of work on the weekend where I'm not the primary caregiver. And if, so if I need to do a project that's, you know, that's going to last a few hours, I'll save it for the weekend. And I'll save more editing, recipe, testing, and writing during the week where I'm the primary caregiver to our kids, just in case there's interruptions. Um, a nap is cut short, I have to run out and pick somebody up, then those are things where I can stop and pick up at a later date. So that's kind of how I organize my day to day. As far as content goes, I'm, I try to work as far in advance as I can. So especially with working with clients, it's not always easy. But I'm always asking, like, give me as much notice as you can, just in case, um, you know, something else comes up. But um, I do like to save some time for when my own cravings strike. So I write my newsletter called Bake Club and that comes out weekly. And that is not something that has anything to do with an SEO algorithm or whatnot. That is what I really want to eat. So like it's a cookie that I'm craving that week. 
It's a cake that I made for somebody's birthday. So I always allow a little extra room to do something a little bit more spontaneous, but also like keeping holidays in mind and things that will, um, you know, people are going to be searching for. And I kind of do that for my website, which is a little bit different. That's incredible. And I just love how you have embedded your professional life in your personal life. Like they are so closely intertwined. Your organization comes from your commitment with your family. Your the sense of, you know, oh, I need to get this done is so I can spend more time with my kids. You know, it's just, you know, work always spreads to how much time you allocate to it. If you give two hours to something, it'll take two hours. If you give 15 minutes to it, it will take 15 minutes. So I think that you are this absolute organized person who's put all these processes in place so that you can have the best of both worlds. And I just love how this con- this was not part of the conversation that I'd planned, but I love it. I love it because I think it's so important. It's actually one of the top questions that I get asked when people see that I have one daughter. I mean, imagine someone with three kids and they are rocking it in your field. So amazing. So Tessa, tell us something like, you know, you had the advantage, or I would say that you have always tapped into your interest and your passion of baking and cakes and, you know, all of those things. So you knew how to cook, you knew how to bake, you know how to work with cream. So you had all of that knowledge about that food before you started photographing it. But not all photographers do that. Like for me, you know, for sure, I suck at frosting anything, you know, (laughs) and living in a tropical climate, I'm forever struggling to keep cream in shape. Like uh, it's, it's a real nightmare for us. So can we just talk a little bit about, you know, these challenges that you might face in the food that you photograph, you feel so passionate about, and, you know, let's talk about like maybe frosting, pies, cream, cakes. What would you say some some of the challenges of photographing, you know, these sensitive foods? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about that way. Like, first and foremost, I learned how to make these things um, before I even learned how to photograph them. And, you know, I've dealt with some temperature things, not not nearly as difficult as you, but like trying to do wedding cakes in California in the summertime was always a challenge. Um, But yeah, so I would say like the biggest challenges is the thing that makes them the most exciting to photograph because you want to catch that fluffy crumb of a cake you want to catch the cookie that looks like it's just been pulled from the oven but that's also when they're going to be at their most difficult to work with Mm -hmm. Um, another difficult thing I think for working with these types of recipes is that they do take a lot longer to make than your smoothie or your salad you could spend hours baking cooling stacking decorating a cake And you actually don't even know what it's going to look like until you cut it open. So like, hopefully it's looking exactly how you want it to Mm -hmm. by the time you get that shot of the inside of the cake. So that's another challenge is that they, these, these types of recipes take a lot longer to put together. So hopefully you can catch it on the first try. (laughs) But also like, do you have any... Like, let's let's talk about some like maybe food styling or photography tips that you have, you know, maybe don't photograph. I'm just saying this. All right. So Mm -hmm. you don't photograph a cookie right when it's out of the oven. Make it sit for maybe a day so that it has texture. I'm just saying I'm making it all up. Mm -hmm. Do you have any such tips? 
for shooting like basically these sensitive foods? Maybe two or three food styling tips that you can share with us. Yeah, of course. Um, you just want to, I would say always like try to prepare your scene in advance. So then if you want something that is going to be either like still warm from the oven and you want to catch, you know, like I said, like a glossy chocolate of a cookie, your window is, you know, short for getting that perfect shot. So if you didn't pull out your camera and start setting up your lights until after they're done baking, you might miss that window. And there are some tricks of like reheating and getting that melty chocolate going again. But um, say you're shooting ice cream and you want it that perfect melty drip right before it just turns into soup, um, you definitely want to set your scene ahead of time. Um, For cake, I definitely recommend for most cakes, for like layer cakes, you can refrigerate them. Wouldn't be the tastiest that way because cold buttercream is not the tastiest, but they do slice a lot cleaner if they've been chilled. Mm -hmm. So if you're cutting into a multi-layer cake and you want clear lines between the cake and the filling, if it's been chilled, you can get a better slice. Um, And then lastly, frosting is just all about that creamy texture. And sadly, you really want to capture that because you're not going to be able to really fix that in they're like no amount of Photoshop is going to make it creamy again. Mm-hmm. So really pay attention to the textures of your frostings, make sure it's not too grainy. And it would be worth, I don't, if you had to remake it, it would be worth it instead of like trying to fix it later. Cause it's really hard to do. And do you chill <laughs> oh. your frostings? Do you chill them? Are they like, at what temperature would you shoot a frosting? Oh, it depends on what, if it's on a cake, if it's just by itself. I mean, like I said, when you're making it, you really want it to be creamy and fluffy. And then depending on what it is that you're working with, sometimes it will remain that way at room temperature. Um, Sometimes the texture could change after refrigeration. So it kind of just depends on what you're working Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. And something like a pie, you definitely want to cool completely, whether you're eating it and serving it or photographing it, because cutting a warm pie is just a mess. So definitely plan to allow your pies to completely cool. So this is my, this is what I think about most desserts. So most baked sweet food is that once it's baked, you kind of have to cool it down, sometimes even refrigerate it overnight so that it really holds its form and shape when you're shooting it. And it's just easier to handle Maybe also because I live in the tropics, like I said, for mm-hmm. us, temperature is a huge deal. All right. So this is my general perception of shooting sweet baked food, and that is not to shoot it hot. But is yes. there any food, <laughs> any food that you think, oh, this one, you really need to capture it right after it's out of the oven, or you really need to capture while it's warm? What would be some of those foods? Or are there any? One of the thing that comes to mind first is a self-saucing pudding cake. Have you heard of those? No, and I, I think it's more. I think it's like a more traditional British dessert. I, I could be wrong. You know, a cake that would be called a pudding almost. And what you do is you pour your cake batter into like a casserole or baking dish, and it has a sauce on top. And then when you bake it in the oven, somehow through baking magic, the cake rises and the sauce goes into the bottom of the pan. And it's self-saucing because you can spoon it out and then use the warm sauce to kind of pour over the cake. But that only really works right out of the oven because Ah. once it cools, it kind of solidifies. So that is definitely one 
you have to do while everything is still warm. So in that case, you have to have your scene set up ahead of time and then just bring in your hero pudding cake right at the last minute. Wow. Okay. I'm very hungry right now. And the next thing I'm going to do is <laughs> Google this cake, man. How have I not had it ever? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like in the realm of like a sticky toffee pudding kind of mm. situation, but yeah, they're called self-saucing cakes. Mm, and okay. I think other like, like spoonable puddings and steamed puddings, but probably mousse? all kind of would, in maybe the same mousse, family. Would you say like a mousse, uh, a is it a lava cake or a, you know, something oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. With the molten lava cake where it has to be yeah. like the oozy chocolate in the middle. Yeah, definitely. You should. So is should that, that is that something that you would shoot warm or is that something that you would probably use a heat gun or something to get the chocolate, but really have the cake kind of still refrigerated so it holds its form? Oh, that's a tricky question. I think if you can capture it warm i think that's great but i'm sure there are some tricks that it, that um mm. you could do if you're trying to kind of emulate that same effect mm. yeah and, and that's when you can bring like it's like a cookie you can bring out a hair dryer and kind of warm the top of the chips so they start melting again it looks like they're freshly baked and you being so organized Tessa, tell me how do you um what is your system basically do you bake on the same day that you shoot or you have a baking day and you have a shooting day and you have an editing day. Like, how is that organized? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard of like batch working, which I've always tried. I'm not very good at it. But that being said, it is really hard to bake and frost a full cake in one. Even if I was recommending a recipe, not even photographing it, but just like of someone that wanted to make a cake, it's really hard to do all of those things. Unfortunately, you can do make the components separately. So, like during the week, I might bake a cake, chill it in my fridge. You can even freeze it for a week or so. One day I can make the frosting. Another day I can assemble it all together. And then the next day I can photograph. Mm. So yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend doing it all at one time. All it is a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like one, it's a lot of work. And two, when you get tired, you're not that creative. You're not that, you know, enthusiastic about just, you know, giving it your 100%. You're like, oh, just let's get it done with, you know. <laughs> so I also, I don't know about you, but I'm like that. If I'm tired, I'm just like, oh, you know, what is this? So I guess just breaking it down and having that process in place on a weekly basis that, okay, here's the day I bake, here's the day I frost, and here's the day I photograph, here's the day I publish, here's the day I edit. I guess that's, mm. yeah, that's such a great way to balance it off when you have busy personal commitments. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm really not the most organized person, but I have to do, I make a so many lists because I know I'm not going to stick to it. First of all, I know something's going to come up. I know I won't get, ever finish my to-do list, but if I didn't even have that to start with, then I, I just fear I'd be totally lost. So I try to stay organized for fear that something is going to get missed. Um, and mostly it's working, but yeah, I'm, there's a lot of list making involved for sure. Okay. Absolutely. And just looking at the content that you create and how much work that you do, including client work and your blog and your newsletter and, you know, just <laughs> and everything behind the scene. I think a lot of food bloggers right now are taking notes and I think a lot of photographers are taking styling notes, you know. So uh, you might not think that you're the most organized, but I'm sure that you're leaving behind a lot of tips for our food bloggers and photographers who are listening right now. 
So I want to switch a little bit of our conversation to maybe a little bit about the client side and your client work. And, you know, just hearing how you have three kids and how you had a baking business and then you went on to blogging and then you took on photography. You know, you, you sound like someone who's always pushing the limits. You sound like someone who's always like just a little bit more, a little bit more, and you're driving it, you know. So tell us, how did the business side of photography and blogging come about? And what are the kind of client projects that you have on hand, maybe the commitments, or if you would like to share some of your clients with us, how did all of that happen? Yeah, sure. So I've had a chance to work with a lot of different food brands and publications. Like I said, I've been doing the blogging and photography side. Um, I started blogging 10 years ago. I, I actually didn't even realize it's been 10 years. I did that 10 years ago. I've done two cookbooks. And in the meantime, I've continued my website and started a newsletter. And then I do freelance photography on the side. Wow. So it is, a, <laughs> it is a lot. It's just a little bit of everything. I try not to spread myself too thin. Um, but I've had regular sponsored content that I've worked with brands, whether that's through my website or through social media where, you know, they have a product they want me to promote and use. You know, I've done that. I don't do that as much now. Um, but I've done that for some really incredible food brands that I thankfully were already using in the baking world. Um, I've had a couple, you know, magazine features along the way. But I've had some really unique opportunities that have actually come out of cake design, which I would like to share. Like I did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I remember I was asked to design a cake for the 100th birthday of KitchenAid. Ah. And they, yeah. So I designed a cake featuring like the color. They like, you know how KitchenAid has all their different colored mixers and they have mm -hmm. colors in here. But they, were, yes. they had their 100th birthday. So I would. I think there was a few of us that, and we were asked to design birthday cakes that were then replicated and put in the store window of the department store in Toronto. Wow. So that was pretty cool. So I was able to design that cake and then I had to photograph it and then, you know, help them promote. So that was a really fun one. Amazing. Um, I've also, yeah, I've designed cakes for Southern Living Magazine. They mm -hmm. have um, a holiday cake magazine that comes out every year. There's always a white holiday cake. And so on a couple occasions, they asked me to help them design that. So that, and that actually was something I did not photograph, but I just kind of came up with the, the design process. So that was really mm -hmm. fun. Um, I also contribute to Food Network Canada. Um, so I've been, yeah, that was, that's been really fun. I started with them, gosh, probably seven, eight years ago as mm. a contributor. Mm -hmm. uh, a recipe contributor where I also have to photograph my own recipes. Um, and that is shared on Food Network Canada's website. And then I took a small break. I had another child and we moved. And then in the meantime, they started um, with like Instagram reels. Like this, like I had originally worked with them before that was even a thing. So mm -hmm. while I was away, they brought in Instagram reels and they had their contributors start making recipe videos that they would share on their account. So when I came back, that was something that, you know, I was, I was letting them know like, oh, I would love a chance to work with you guys again. You know, I have some more free time in my schedule. And I see that you are now incorporating video work into your reels. 
let me know if you are looking for contributors again, if you need any more people helping out there. And so I've been able to get jump back into that this past year, which has been really fun. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. There are so many photographers who must be like, wow, I really wanted to work with them. Oh, I wish I could work with them. So this is like really, really inspiring. So tell us, how did you get your foot in the door? Did they reach out to you? They saw, oh, there's this incredible photographer, Baker. Let's get in touch with her. Or was it you? Did you pitch to them? Did you reach out to them? You know, I think the first time I worked with Food Network uh, Canada, they reached out to me looking for a few articles to have on their website to show celebration and party cakes. And because that is kind of what I had gotten myself known for, they reached out to me to see if they could commission a few cakes that they could have on their website. And like I said, that was probably seven or eight years ago. And it worked out really well. And then I just became a regular recipe contributor, you know, doing a monthly recipes for their site. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, and took they, a brief and, break. And, and they saw you on, like, where did they find you? Was it your blog or Instagram? Where did they find you? Um, I can't say for sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This, no, I don't, no, I don't, I don't know. I, this was a few years ago. They, they just reached out to me and then they're like, Hey, would you be interested? And like, of course, like I grew up when well, I grew up, but I first fell in love with food while I was at university because I didn't mm -hmm. really cook too much before then. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was at university and Food Network was airing between classes and I kind of mm -hmm. fell in love with it and that's how I yeah. taught myself how to cook so it was kind of you know a dream yeah absolutely that, that, it's, that network, it's amazing yeah. and also uh you know for them to be able to identify that oh this is a person who fits you know oh this is a person who has this niche this is a person who can contribute like you know it's a really big name and for you to be identified and to have been approached I think that is pretty incredible. So they reached out to you and did they have a proposition for you that could you contribute recipes or was that kind of a collaborative discussion that you had that, okay, how can I, how can we work together? Uh, what, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, I think what had happened was they, they re originally reached out for me to do a few different cakes. Um, and then from there, they... I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure how I continued. It was to a stay long time ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was able to stay on their list of contributors. Mm. So it, um, it might have been something different then, but like for when I wanted to rejoin that community, I had to reach it. There was a new editor. And so mm. I had to reach out to her and be like, reintroduce myself and say, I'm Tessa Huff. I used to contribute to your site. I would really, I see the work that you guys are doing now, especially with the videos that you're, you've added to your social media. You know, if there's an opportunity for me to jump back in, I would definitely love to take it. And there was, there was room. So yeah. So I just, it, it took me reintroducing myself to mm -hmm. them to let them know that I was interested again um, after taking a, a small break. I love it. I love it. So you weren't just wondering, oh, you know, they didn't reach out. Oh my God. This lasted for maybe, I don't know how many years you worked with them before there was a pause, but you were proactive and you reached out again. Yeah. You're like, hey, this, this was our arrangement. Is there any possibility? And look how it turned out. So a lot of people who just kind of sit back and assume and think that maybe they don't want to work with me anymore. Maybe it's not the same. Maybe they don't like me. You know, there's a lot of imposter syndrome that can hit 
when something like that happens. But actually what's happening, you know, behind the scenes is there's a new editor, there's a new team, and all you need to do is go back, reintroduce yourself and get the ball rolling again. So that's, that's a big takeaway, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that kind of almost, oh, sorry, mm-hmm. that kind of goes like with other brands as well. Like if people are trying to get their foot in the door, you know, I've been, you know, I would say I pitch myself out to other brands and letting them know. And, they, and sometimes they come and find me. But, you know, if you are new, and I know it can be scary to to start sending out those pitch forms, but they might not know that you're even interested in that type of work, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, someone like me, where I do like a million different things. They're like, oh, you think you would be interested in contributing to our site? Like you have all these other things going on, but they're not going to even think of that. So you might want to start introducing yourself and they can't assume that you want to work with them mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have to say, like, I have to ask you this, actually. So a lot of folks, and before I ask you, I just have to tell you that I'm really passionate about this whole pitching, reaching out. It's something that I feel really strongly about. So you have, you know, created an identity for yourself in the industry. You have a pretty good social media following. You have a blog that's been running for so many years now. Do you still pitch and reach out to the brands that you want to work with? Do you still do it? So that was Tessa. And wasn't it just the most amazing conversation? Like, I just feel like, of course, she left us with a lot of fabulous tips about what to look for in frosting, how to get the chocolate right, how to really shoot baked food, sweet food, and, you know, how to make your cakes look so drop-dead delicious. But I think for me, the biggest takeaway so far in my conversation with her was that sometimes we hold ourselves back because we think that we have very high personal commitments and that we cannot pursue our passion and that we cannot start a business But the truth is that we have a huge advantage of being entrepreneurs. The thing about business is that we as business owners have the complete flexibility to shape our business based on whatever we want it to be. So if we have a lot of personal commitments, we can create a business that meets those needs that is suited for the level of commitment that is needed on our personal front. That's exactly what Tessa did. Tessa shaped her business to be able to meet the needs of her three children. The joy that she was seeking out of her personal life, she made sure that her business was wrapped around that and that it was built off of what she really, truly desired from both her professional life and her personal life. And I think that to me has been the biggest takeaway so far that we don't have to leave our passion or our desire to run or build a business behind just because we have big personal commitments. We can have both and we as entrepreneurs always have the advantage to shape it exactly like we want it to be. It doesn't have to look like anyone else's. It can be exactly what we want it to be. So this was part of our conversation with Tessa. We'll be getting into a lot of good stuff in part two where we're going to talk a lot about her experience of working with Food Network, how she worked with a magazine, how did she actually write not one, but two cookbooks and that too when she was expecting her little one. So there's going to be a lot of conversation still around business and how to build business and how to shape your career while keeping that joy and happiness of your personal life. I feel like she really drives home that point. 
And if you have any questions about this episode, please don't hold back. Shoot me an email on hello at myfoodlens.com or send me a DM on Instagram at dudama underscore myfoodlens. I'll see you next week with another episode. Until then, bye-bye.